So uh, it was interesting. I was kind of uh, thinking this past week. Um, so I, I had the privilege of going um, vocationally into ministry uh, back in 1997. So I'm going on going on 29 years of of, of ministry, 28 years of ministry, and. Um, but I remember when I first started into the ministry, my family had given me a, a really great print uh, to hang up in my first office. And it was such a, it really, it was a wonderful, it really quickly became my, my favorite print ever. And, and uh, little did I know how much that print uh, would uh, really uh, give a, a picture of what it was going to be like, uh, not only being in the ministry, but it was a great print of of what it really is like to be in the Christian life, right? And how many agree with that? I mean, that's, you're shaking your head. You haven't even seen the print yet. I mean, it, it's, uh, how many like to see the print, right? It might, might really help us to kind of take a look at this print. Maybe you've seen it before. Uh, how many have seen this print? How many, how many have not seen this print? Uh, what a beautiful, just take a moment. Like they say a, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? And so you've got this, this guy who's uh, in the lighthouse. He pops outside. Little does he know there's this huge wave that's behind him. And I remember receiving that and thinking, oh, this is awesome. I put that on my wall. And so many times I would remember feeling like that guy that stepped outside the lighthouse and, and feeling safe and secure in the lighthouse and, and yet knowing there's sometimes a storm brewing uh, behind me. There was a rumor that was going around that, that, that this guy actually hadn't got, had gotten wiped out um, from that wave, which really kind of destroyed my whole, whole safety piece. It really was kind of like, oh, let's take that off the wall, right? And, uh, but interesting, as I started to look into it, that, in, that actually was um, just a rumor. I want to give you a little, uh, a little story behind uh, this picture because it's a really um, well-known uh, picture. Uh, the lighthouse is named La Jumant. Now, how many people speak French in the room? Okay, I just destroyed that word, just on record. I know I did. Um, it's located in France, and, and it's, so here it is. It's 1989, and, and the photographer is uh, Jean Jacquard, and here he, he is hovering over the lighthouse, right, just going for a, a routine picture of the lighthouse. And, and little does he know that as he's hovering over the lighthouse that Theodore Malgorn, who's the lighthouse keeper, will come out, and just as he comes out, this huge wave comes as he snaps the picture all in perfect time and we have a picture that is known as the most famous lighthouse picture in all of history little did he know how significant that moment was I watched the interview uh, between the photographer and the lighthouse keeper. That's why I know the guy's still alive. Um, uh, but the keeper was asked the question. They said, listen, and it's the obvious question, what in the world was going on in your mind at that moment when you, when you stepped outside? And I mean, this picture is such a huge display of the, the power of nature and the ocean and all that's going on. And, and you'd expect him to talk about how, uh, how scared he was and overwhelmed he was and everything else but in the most anticlimactic fashion possible his response was I didn't even know the wave was coming I didn't, I didn't know what was going on in fact he said I'm just in the lighthouse and a helicopter came out front I went out the door to take a look and see what was going on and when I heard the wave I went back inside that's kind of anticlimactic isn't it Hollywood obviously didn't seize the opportunity 
to make a movie of that event. But if it had, could you imagine what it would be like? Uh, it wouldn't have looked anything like that. The guy would have come out the door and the wave would have taken him, swept him out under his feet. He would have fallen off the lighthouse and here he is dangling from the, the base of the lighthouse where the star of the movie would rappel down from the helicopter right just in time to sweep the guy up as he is about to be uh, thrown out into the ocean and he, he saves the day in typical Hollywood fashion. But it was nothing like that at all. Instead, it was in the midst of a very ordinary day. It was just another day at the office for the lighthouse keeper. It was just another simple snapshot from the photographer. And out of the ordinary, history was made in this little print. That's kind of how storms hit, don't they? Thankfully, with, with the technology that we have, have today, for the most part, right, weather, is our, weather storms are somewhat predictable. We get an idea of, usually, of when a storm is about to hit uh, in our weather. But that's not always the case in the storms of life, is it? Storms of life tend to, like our friend, sneak up on us without us knowing. Unannounced, unnoticed, uninvited, certainly unwanted. But they come, don't they? They, they, they come to all of us. At one time or another, we all know it, what it's like have been through an unexpected storm. And this morning, as we turn the page from 2023 and enter into a new season of 2024, we don't know what the future holds. And I, I certainly have no desire to sound like a doomsday prophet that's you know, casting a, 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 an image of a storm that is awaiting. But what I can, can guarantee each and every one of us is in one way or another, there's going to be a storm. There's going to be times that we will face in this upcoming year that we will wish at the moment we were not going through. You know, the scripture oftentimes likens our hardships in life to storms. But it demonstrates that God, who is, who is bigger than the storms that we oftentimes face, doesn't leave us out there to dry. But God is over the storm. And God carries us through the storm. And God uses the storm for his glory. Isaiah writes this in Isaiah chapter 25 in verse 4. He says, For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress. You have been a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against the wall. But you, you've been a shelter God, Isaiah says, been a shelter from the storm. Isaiah will write a little bit later on in that same book, chapter 43. He says, but now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Look, you're mine. 
when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I like that. He says here, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. But you're still going to pass through the waters, by the way. Right? It doesn't exempt us from difficult times. It doesn't exempt us from the storms of life. But when you pass through the waters, look, I will be with you. And through the, through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And you walk, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What a beautiful picture we have of a, God, of a God who loves his people and walks through the storms of life with us. You know, Jesus even talked about, about storms in his short ministry here on the earth. And Jesus did it in such a way that he shows us how we can be prepared for storms whether we know when they're coming or not. You see, we might not know when the storms of life are going to pound on the shore of our life, but we can still be prepared in advance. And Jesus gives us great insight on how we can go about that. Just for context, uh, Jesus is, uh, just finishes this, the famous Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7. We have the longest recorded sermon coming off the lips of Jesus. And he is explaining to his disciples what does it mean to follow him. Here's how the Christian is to live their life. And so we see in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, Jesus laying out the way in which we are to live our life, how we are to follow Jesus. And at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in chapter, 20, uh, chapter 7 and verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, which words? The words that he just laid out there in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, right? The whole Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew. There's your storm. And it, look, it beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on a rock, the rock of his word. And he says, likewise, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat against that house, and it fell, and Jesus said, and great was the fall of it. Jesus gives us a picture of, of two people right here. Here we see a wise man, and we see a foolish man. And these two people have something very much in common. In fact, they have a couple of things in common. Number one, they had both heard the words of Jesus. He said, everyone who hears these words and does them in the verse, and, and everyone who hears these words and doesn't do them. So we recognize that both of them heard the words of Jesus. We also see that they had in common the fact that they both built houses. And another thing they had in common is they both experienced the storm. They both experienced the winds blowing and pounding on their homes. That's what they have in common. Now here's where they differ. They differ because they had very different outcomes. 
right? The wise man's house, it stood because it was built on the word of God. He lived a life by following the the teachings of Jesus. He built his life, his house, on the rock, the standard of Jesus' teaching. The foolish man, not so. The foolish man's house collapsed because he didn't live out the teachings of Jesus. And you see, what was true for them is, is true for all people. Everyone will face storms in their life. Maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself in the midst of a storm right now. Everyone will have seasons where the rain will fall and the the floods will come and the winds will blow and it will pound on the house of your life. But the one who has a biblical foundation, according to the teaching of Jesus, is the one who will stand. The one who knows the word of God and knows the God of the word and lives their life in accordance to that is likened to the one who builds a house on a rock. And when that storm comes, they stand. The one who built the the house on the sand, though, it collapses. You see, the one who builds the house on the rock, it stands. But notice something. Just because we build our house on the rock, just because we know the word of God, we know the God of the word, doesn't mean we're exempt from the storms. What it does mean, though, is this, that we will be perfected in the midst of the storm. That God will use the storm not to destroy us, but to build us up, to build the character of God into our lives. The storms that get introduced into our life is to show us the love and character of God in ways that only storms demonstrate. And here's why. Because not only is God's presence with us in the midst of a storm but God's character is revealed to us in the midst of the storm there's never been a time in my life there's never been a a storm in my life that I can't look back afterwards and realize I came to see Jesus in a clearer way I've come closer to God as I've had to hold on to him in the midst of my storm. I started to see things in my own life that were getting in the way of me becoming more and more like Christ. Sometimes the storm comes to reveal things into our life, but ultimately the storm comes to reveal a God who carries us through the storms. There's no greater passage in the scripture when we talk about the idea of storms coming into our life than than we read in Psalm 46. Uh, This morning, we're just going to unpack Psalm 46 together and and look at how God is with us in the midst of the storm. We're going to see three things. I'll tell you up front what they're going to be as we look at Psalm 46. The first thing we're going to see is God's unchanging nature in the midst of the storm. The second thing we're going to see is God's presence in the midst of chaos. And the third thing we're going to see is God's sovereignty over the storm. Because each and every one of those things are not only laid out for us in Psalm 46, but we see that laid out all throughout the scripture. We see God's unchanging nature. We see God's presence in the midst of chaos. And we see God's sovereignty over our storms. Let's take a look at that this morning. If you have your Bibles, you want to follow along with me. I want to take a look at God's unchanging nature that we see on display in Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. 
Listen to what, the, the, what he writes. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then he says, Selah. What does that word mean? This idea, this word Selah, it means pause. It means meditate on what was just said. It means think back. It means don't jump into verse four yet. Take a moment and consider what the psalmist just said, that God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, the psalmist is painting a picture of the storms of life. But he's proclaiming that God is our refuge, that God is our strength in the midst of it, that he is a ever-present help in times of trouble. Like the lighthouse that protected the, the keeper from the storm, God is our, our refuge. He is our place of safety. Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 18, he says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous man runs into it and finds safety. Right? The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and find safety. We see that God is our, our refuge. He, he is a, a very present help in times of trouble. This means that, that God is readily available at all times. That he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. That even when it may seem like nobody else is around, God is there. His presence can be depended on because his nature is unchanging. He is omnipresent. I love that. You know, we speak about the character of God, the, the nature of God. One of the attributes that God has that man does not have is the fact that God is omnipresent. It means that God is everywhere with all of himself all at the same time. Now, I know we can't fully wrap our arms around that, but think about that for a moment. God is everywhere with all of himself all of the time. Even in times of storm, even whether you feel it or not. You see, oftentimes, when we don't feel God's presence in the midst of the storm, you know what that's an invitation to do? To pursue him. God says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. God, listen, God loves when his people pursue him. But just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And because of God's presence, the psalmist declares, because of that, we need not fear. Even though the waters roar, even though the mountains shake, God, who is greater than the storm, is with us. Therefore, we will not fear. David penned this in Psalm 24. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
We are not exempt from the storm. We're, we're not exempt from walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But we don't need to fear because we don't walk through it alone. You say, but yeah, sometimes I'm just afraid. I get that. But here's, here's what the psalmist is doing, and this is what the scripture is always calling us to do, is to get our eyes off of what we see going on around us and onto God. Too many times we allow our mountain to determine to how big our God is. We let our fear dictate how powerful our God is. Sometimes we allow what's going on around us to eclipse the power and the sovereignty and love of God for us. Isn't that what happened to Peter? That day when Peter was out on the boat, right, with, with the fishermen, and, and they're in the midst of a storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water, and Peter cries out, bid me come, Lord. Let me come and walk on the water. Wouldn't that be cool? And Jesus says, come, Peter. And Peter gets out of the boat, and he steps on the water, and he's walking towards Jesus. He's going against all natural law. And he's walking on the water. But it says, and then the he looked and he saw the waves. He got his eyes off of Jesus and on the waves, and he began to sink. And Jesus reached out and grabs Peter. And he said, oh, man, why'd you doubt? You see, we do that sometimes. We get so consumed at looking at the waves. We look at the storm. We look at what's happening around us, and we fail to realize who it is who's bidding us to come and trust him in the midst of the storm. We see God's unchanging nature. He was there for the psalmist. He was there for David. And he is there for you and me today. God is immutable. It means he changes not. He doesn't have the ability to change. Why? Because there's no need to change. He is perfect. The second thing we see is God's presence in the midst of chaos. Let's go back to the psalm and see verse 4. God's presence in the midst of the chaos. Look, he says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation. I love that. The holy habitation. It's the dwelling place. It's where God pitches up his tent. It's where God shows up. It's where he abides at the moment. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. It's God's presence. He says, look, God is in the midst of her. Who's her? He's speaking of God's people. He's speaking of the, the, the body of Christ, the church, his people. God is in the midst of her. He's speaking to you and to me. And therefore, she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then the psalmist says it again, Silah, pause, take that in. Meditate on that. The psalmist beautifully describes a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the most high dwells the presence of Almighty God. In this imagery, we see God's presence bringing joy and peace to his people, even in the midst of chaos. 
I didn't say he brought happiness, right? It's, uh, happiness is overrated. It, it, it's up and down. It's, it, it's, very, it, 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 it's very on and off again. It's very, you need to be very careful to not, as I mentioned last week, not confuse happiness with joy, right? There's the, hey, there's nothing happy about a storm, folks. If you're happy in the storm, it's not a storm, <laughs> right? It's a walk in the rain, <laughs> right? But you see, it's in those, it's in those moments that we dig down deep and we begin to examine who we are, but even more than that, we come to examine and understand who God is. Just as a river sustains life and brings refreshment, God's presence flows through our lives, providing us with strength and hope in the most of the most challenging of times. Notice what he says here, because God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. I, I like that. You're not, the storm's not going to take the feet out from under you and wipe you away. Because God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her, the psalmist says. Like what Pastor Dom read this morning in Psalm, uh, Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure. New King James Version says, I am persuaded. I am convinced. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing will move us from the love of God. The psalmist declared, the Lord of hosts is with us. The, the God of Jacob He's our fortress. That's not a word that really matters much here on Long Island. We don't think of fortresses much, right? We, like, when was the last time you say, hey, let's, go, let's go hang out in the fortress? We don't, we don't do that. It's like we, sometimes words get lost over time. But, but what, is a, what is a fortress? You know, back in, in, back in the day, fortresses really meant something. They, they were built out of, out of large brick and, and large stone. It was usually a, a huge moat that was, that was between the land and the fortress, and it was designed to keep the enemy out. It was a safe place. It was a safe zone. There was no way. It was a place where the enemy could not penetrate. It was a fortress. And what the psalmist declares is this, that God is our fortress. He's not a structure. He's not a building. He's not made of stone or clay. He is a person. He is the one in whom we find our shelter and our safety. He is our fortress. Read through Ephesians and see how many times Paul makes reference to the fact that we are in Christ. We are, he is our fortress, and there is safety in him. In the midst of the storm, the enemy is kept at bay. And instead of the storm being used as a tool in the hand of the enemy, the storm is used as a tool in the hand of God for your good and for his glory. The storm is not sent to take you out. The storm is sent to build you up, help you see God greater 
to see the hand of God for us, that he is for us. The enemy cannot touch one thing in our life without the divine permission of God. That's what the psalmist declared in Psalm 23. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I like that. You prepare a table before I didn't like that at first. Like, friend, why would God prepare a table before me at the present, in the presence of my enemies? Like, I don't want my enemies at the table. Kick them out. Right? I mean, who, who invites them over there? But what the psalmist says, and he actually rejoices over this, he's like, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Because you know what? God will even use his, the, our enemies to show his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. You see, God doesn't remove the opposition. God doesn't remove the obstacle. God doesn't exempt us from the storm. He carries us through it like the good shepherd of our soul. We see that the presence of our enemies are ineffective because the presence of our God is in the midst of us. And he is greater. And then lastly, we see that God is sovereign over our storms. We see his nature, his character does not change. We see his presence is with us in the midst of the chaos. And then lastly, we see that God is sovereign over our storms. Look at verse 8. Come and behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And say with me, Selah. Is there pause again? Remember this. It's interesting. We, see, we also see a, a very prophetic edge to this passage as well because we, we recognize what God is saying here is I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth we haven't seen that yet but there'll be a day that comes where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and Jesus is going to rule and reign on the earth and all the nations will exalt his name but look what he says here he declares that God is not only sovereign over our storms, because obviously as we read, it, read out in the beginning, we, we see that it, it's talking about us and uh, as individuals, but then we also see that God is sovereign over all of the earth. He is sovereign over all. Notice it says, he makes the war cease. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and, and, he, and he burns the chariots with fire. What is that? That is the strength, that is the weaponry of the world. That is the, the strength of the world, the bow and the spear and the chariots. It is the weapons of the world, and God just destroys it all. That's the big talk today, right? Which country has the most weapons? Which is the most to be feared? God says, don't worry, I'll just destroy it all. With the word of his mouth, it comes to nothing. And we see the perspective and the power of God. We have nothing to fear, church. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? 
We cross out of time and into eternity. We spend forever in the presence of God. I mean, last I checked, that's what it's all about anyway. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We were created with eternity stamped on our hearts. We were created to spend all of, all of our lives, for, all of our eternity in the presence of God. Don't get so caught up in this life. Don't get so distracted and worried and concerned about what's going on in this little timeline of life that we fail to recognize that it is such a blip on the screen in comparison to all of eternity. I love looking at pictures of the universe, right? When they, they show you how big, how big the earth is in contrast to everything else that's out there. I mean, talk about perspective. You know what? If the earth represents our life and the, and, 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 and the universe represents our eternity, that helps us to get a little bit of a perspective on where our minds ought to be more focused. Jesus said, what does a prophet a man to gain the whole world? and lose a soul, right? Nothing more important than our eternity. And so when we, when we look at what's going on in the world and what's happening around, let, listen, let's be responsible, let's be informed, let's be diligent, let's not check out, right? Let's, be, let's do all the things that we are called to be good stewards to do. But listen, let's not get so overwhelmed with what's going on around us that we fail to remember who's in control of all things. I, mean, I know the big question is, oh, who's the big, you know, what, what's going on with Russia? What's happened with China? What's going on with, what's happening with America? Right, what's going on? Who's the real global superpower after all? Can I just echo the words of the psalmist? God will bring desolations to the earth. God will destroy all the weaponry. God will burn the chariots with fire. He is sovereign over all. He sets the pace. He controls the timing. He has the final say. He is sovereign. That's what it means. It means that he has total control over all things. And because of that, because of God's unchanging nature, because God's presence is with us in the midst of crisis, because God is sovereign over our storms. Because of that, the psalmist invites us to be still and know that he is God. You see, when you understand that, when you have the proper perspective on who is in control, we can be still and know that he is God. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the, the raging seas, in the midst of the nations raging, the kingdoms tottering, and the earth melting, you can be still and know that He is God. You can be still because He is God. Be still. That's the title of my message this morning. Be still. But for our younger folks in the audience, it's be chill. <laughs> Whatever works for you. What does that look like anyway? Be still and know that I'm God. How do we do that? What does that look like? How many of you have ever seen an illustration years ago that every time you're reminded of that, you know, maybe somebody illustrated something in Scripture, and every time you come across that Scripture, you remember that illustration. You know, sometimes illustrations are super powerful. I'm about to give you one 
right now that I trust will last uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to invest 20 seconds into what will be a, a, a lifelong memory, an illustration of this idea of be still. Who's up for something like that? Don't worry. Nobody's going to be embarrassed to have to leave the room or throw money at me or anything like that, right? How many want to remember this verse, right? So here's what we're going to do. What does be still really mean? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand in your fist, right? Your fist in your hand. I want you to, um, when I give you the go, we're going to take 20 seconds and I want you to push as hard as you can together to the point where it's uncomfortable and you're wondering why in the world am I doing this, right? And if you want to really get the gist of what I'm about to illustrate to you, trust me and go all out for the next 20 seconds. Oxygen will be available if you need it. But um, I want you to really embrace this idea of, uh, of what I'm about to share with you. Uh, three, two, one, go as tight and as hard as you can. It should be uncomfortable. It should be shaking. You should be wondering, why are we doing this in church? What's going on here? Keep going. You're almost, you're halfway there. Keep going harder, harder, harder. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Be still. And let go and release. You know, Life feels like that sometimes. When the world is coming at you from every single angle and things get intense and we feel like we have to fix everything and everybody and respond to everything and react to everything. It seems like there's things that are going on out of our control. The nations are raging, the waters are foaming. What in the world? And we're exciting and it gets more and more intense and sometimes we don't even know we're getting there. And what God calls us to do is in the midst of that, release. Let go. Be still. There's times where the stress of things and the worry and the cares can create that. We're doing this and we don't even know it. Have you had that experience? You ever, ever take a moment and just drop your shoulders and go, I didn't realize how tense I just was. We li we're living that in our culture right now. People are walking around like this, ready to explode. But what God says is, let go and know that he is God. We don't have to walk around. That's, I pray to God, this is how we want to get into 2024. Not like this. Like this. Realizing that he is sovereign over it all. Knowing that he, I don't know what 2024 holds, but I know who holds it. And because of that, I can trust. I will not fear, even though the earth be removed, even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. God is with me, and therefore, I don't need to be afraid. I don't know what 2024 has in store for us. I pray it is a year of peace and prosperity and ease. However, as I look at the landscape of our culture and I consider what's going on in our country and in our world, I don't think that's going to be the case. As we come upon another highly emotional political year, 
I have a feeling there's going to be tremendous opportunity for all kinds of drama. All kinds of distraction. All kinds of inconvenience. All kinds of worry. All kinds of fear. All kinds of calamity. All kinds of accusation. Internationally, nationally, and in our community. I want to start this year by just letting go. And I'm not talking about living lives of passivity. You know me that better than that. Control what's in your power to do. Control and let go, right? That's my favorite, favorite prayer. God, grant me the serenity to change the things I can't, to, to, uh, to uh, change the things I what? Thank you. To accept it. See how we do that? <laughs> to accept the thing, right? To change it, right? To accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And here it is, the wisdom to know the difference. God, give us the wisdom to know the difference. To trust. Because here's the thing. As crazy as it may get off in the world, you know the church's best hour is when things are crazy and chaotic because as we're looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith we begin to realize that he is sovereign over all of it and God uses all the things going on around us to bring the best out of us for the glory of God and so we go we go into 2024 with all of its opportunities and distractions and everything else that may that may intensify be chill be still. Let go and know that he is God. Because at the end of the story, he will be exalted in all the nations. He will be exalted in all the earth. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that it would bring comfort to our hearts, that it would both inform us and build us up. Lord, help us to not get distracted by the, the things that come into our lives that are out of control, but help us to see you in the midst of it all and lean on you. Father, I pray for those that are here this morning that, that are already, already in the midst of a storm. I know so many that are struggling right now with medical issues and emotional challenges and relational challenges and financial challenges. God, you know where they're at. Oh God, I pray you draw closer to them that they would see and sense your presence in a very powerful way and that just like you have done every other time, you carry them through the storm. We thank you, we praise you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.